welcome to the Creators Call podcast, where we explore the technology and how it is used for education. I'm your host, John Lazar, and today we're joined by Corey Pressman, who is the partner and director of strategy at Neologic. So, how are you doing today, Corey? Good, man. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. Trying to stay cool in the heat. Yes. Well, we have. I'm in Portland, and we're having our um, a, rain, a rainy summer day. Which is uh, what you're you lucky. Get. We're 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 in the middle of a heat wave here in New York, so. It's going to be a hot one this weekend. Stay inside, drink beer, you'll be fine. So what is Neologic and what do you guys do there? Thank you for asking. Neologic is a, <laughs> um, a digital, a small digital company, and we do um, a lot of strategy work with folks to help them figure out what their next best steps are in the digital world. Um, so we do a lot of research into um, the existing and future state of, of digital, help companies navigate that. So we do a lot of strategy work, a lot of design work in that realm too, prototyping, um, and a small build capacity. And in so doing, we can't help but start inventing things ourselves also. So we have experiments running um, at the same time as we're consulting with clients. We're running our own experiments. And one of them is Poetry for Robots, poetry4robots.com, which is an experiment in, um, in metadata and using poetry for metadata and how that humanizes a database. And the other one that we're here to talk about today is Cornbread, which is a, um, uh, an app that basically combines locative media and social media into an app that allows you to leave and get messages only in particular places. So what brought you guys to create Cornbread? Um, you know, I got inspired to create Cornbread a few years ago. My, our office in Portland here is in one of those industrial neighborhoods um, where all the cool offices are, you know. And there's these loading docks, and these kids like skateboard at these loading docks all day long. Um, I don't know how they do that. I don't know what kind of like where, where their cash flow is coming from. But I park my car in the morning. They're skateboarding on loading docks. I come out at the end of the day. They're skateboarding on loading docks. But I was impressed um, with their cashless life, and also impressed with the fact that they weren't tagging anywhere. They weren't actually spray paint tagging on anything. And where I come from, um, you you know, you spend a youth spends the whole day somewhere. They're going to be graffitiing or something, but they don't. Um, but they were filming themselves all day um, on video on video cameras, um, and this was actually long enough ago that they were using like little cameras on tripods. Um, and so I thought, I bet if they could leave the videos here, they would, and that would be this kind of video graffiti. And that's where the concept kind of came out of. That wouldn't it be cool to have a uh, digital messages left in particular places, um, and they just kind of spiraled out from there in concept. And then last year, finally got the wherewithal to say, let's just launch an experimental app that allows people to leave messages in the air anywhere as the marketing language goes, um, and just see what happens. And so that's when we enacted the experiment at last. Okay, so Cornbread, which is the app launched last year? Yeah, it's an iOS app, and we launched it at Northside. Um, a soft launch at Northside in Brooklyn last year, and then a harder launch at Web Visions in Chicago at the end of the summer last year. Okay, and how does Cornbread work? Um, cornbread, from the user experience standpoint, you find yourself in a location and you want to leave a message there for anyone, um, you know, just for the general uh, public, you would open up the app up and go into the authoring window and you would create, let's say, a little piece of video with some audio, um, maybe do some writing, take a picture, and when you hit publish um, or drop, as we say, we're dropping a crumb, um, it publishes it right to that location and is findable on a map inside the app. And then when you get to that location, you can actually open the Chrome and experience it. Cool. So this is called spatial contextual awareness? Exactly. It's, yeah, locative media, spa media spatial contextual awareness. 
Um, and when we came out with the experiment with this spatial contextual aware app, um, there were some out there, and there's, there have been apps that do this for a while. Ours was hopefully unique in that we were combining the social media impulse with locative, location awareness, which kind of forces social media into a human dimension rather than like your Instagram feed that just keeps rolling and it's like a river and you might miss it and the robot eye of Sauron is always open and it's always flowing and you dip in when you can. This puts social media in the human dimension of time and space. So we were grooving on it in that respect. And um, however, the uh, idea always was, and now we're moving very quickly towards opening up the code and the experience to include other contingencies um, that trigger messages like time. Um, is it Tuesday? Are you, uh, does your phone think you're a female? Is it Tuesday? Did you just walk 2,000 steps? Is there a full moon? Is it raining? And have all of those things, um, all, all those other contingencies or situations trigger the messages that you get. And uh, by doing that, we're broadening it into what we call a situated media app, um, of which location media apps are an example, but the broader concept is situated media. How do people know that these messages are there? Does they get a pop-up on their phone, they have to actively be using the app? Um, inside, yeah, if, if you're in Cornbread um, and you have Cornbread open, you can follow various people. So if I'm following you, and it says, John just dropped a crumb in Williamsburg. Um, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get that message, John just, John just dropped a crumb in, in Williamsburg. And I'll see on the map where it is, but I still got to get out there um, to Williamsburg to, to, to view it. OK, but, so there's no way to remotely access. So it's no, very... that's the whole point, right? It's forced into that situation. Situated media is about delivering uh, media assets to users based on various situations. And so unless that situation's met, you don't get the media. And location's the most obvious one, but I, I'd like to include all those others as well. Well, there is one app that's suddenly becoming popular that really is pushing this to the forefront. And we all are kind of aware of Pokemon Go at this point. Yeah, that, that's been amazing, actually. It's been vindicating, uh, somewhat frustrating. You know, if I had had $30 million last year, I think we could have made a bigger splash. Turns oh, out, big difference between you know, uh, a little angel funding and having Google back you, um, just in that regard. And of course, they had a brand and a game, but it's cool. It's really exciting to see um, Pokemon Go take off. In, in my view, the win of Pokemon Go, the discussion, really should be about how it's a situated media app. And that's, what's, that's a kind of a new genus of media and that's what's taking off here, that people are roaming the countryside and streets. And it's the fact that they're moving around the landscape to get digital assets. That's what I see being the real moment here in the evolution of media. AR, obviously, is central to augmented reality, is central to the Pokemon Go experience. But to, in my mind, that's not the real innovation of the real story here. The story is for situated media. Um, and so go ahead. I was going to say, I agree that although a lot of outlets are focusing on AR, there's a lot more going on under the hood, a yeah. lot of different technologies. Mm -hmm. And that's really uh, augmented reality is, is having its day, which is good to see. But frankly, that's, I, I, that's a media type. You know, it's an asset type. And this isn't the bigger, the bigger story. It is a win for an asset type. Yay, this puts AR on the map. But it's a bigger yay, yay, that this puts situated media on the map. That's a platform type, or at least that's how we see it. And so we're um, dedicating resources and business discussions into not just building out cornbread um, and adding more contingencies to it, and hopefully people now will understand the benefits of leaving messages in the landscape. Um, but more importantly, in my mind, we're working on platform level solutions to create a content management system to allow people to create situated media of their own um, and an SDK to allow people to publish that to cornbread or to their own app. You know, you could have Jonathan Go, and there's your app. Uh, I think it'd be better if you were Starbucks, but 
in that example, but to get the idea, and we're actually talking to brands, um, not business brands, but we're talking to cultural brands, um, um, uh, museum brands and children's media brands like that about um, finding ways of creating situated media experiences now that everyone gets it. And that's what Pokemon Co has kind of done for us. We've been having business discussions for a year surrounding cornbread and, and have some gigs, but what's what's great is as soon as Pokemon Go happened, all these people started calling us, being like, oh, we get it now, now we see. I think a year ago it was a funky experiment that maybe they do, and now it's a funky experiment that they're willing to do. So you're working on the SDK APIs now, but they're not available yet? Correct. Okay, just wanted to make sure there. Right. Um, but I'll let you subscribe now, John, if you want. All right, I'll jump right on that. Let me get 29 a month. Um, yeah, because I think it'd be great to be able to like be in a museum, look at a painting, and get information. You know, like a walking tour that's actually uh, works with you as opposed to punch in numbers on your phone or have to carry right. some device. It's, a, it's a, some awareness, right? Some some situated awareness. And there's there's a museum that museum possibility is interesting inside the museum, and then also imagine a world where the Rijksmuseum um, or the Met or the Museum of Natural History has populated the landscape with beautiful um, educational moments based on the content and knowledge that they have. So you can kind of museum-fy the world. You can turn the museum inside out with a situated media app um, where you're driving through Wyoming and your app knows, or you have or you have the Museum of um, and it starts showing you where all the dinosaurs were, were found. It's feeding you information, uh, educational information about exactly where you are. So that the information is just in time. With situated media, you're not looking things up. Things are looking you up. That's very cool. And yeah. teachers can then also create things, or even have the students create them, so that they can take education into the real world once they leave the classrooms. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of like in the flipped classroom was one thing, where you watch your video at home and then come into the class. But this is like a whole flipped, flipped educational context where the pedagogy is out in the world. Um, and that, that would be, I, there's so many um, ways you could imagine that being used. But sure, and then the students could actually be generating content based on what they see in the world and leaving it there as well. But I love the idea of being able to send students out to, a, to an environment and then um, have them based on location, but it could also be based, because it's contingent media, it could be based on uh, maybe some pre-testing that they've done, you know, so it knows the things they don't know. So, hey, you're standing in, the quad at your college and the app knows that you're having trouble with statistics because you're pre-testing based on where you are and your pre-testing information, it starts asking you statistical questions about where you are in the quad, something like that, or Times right. Square for that matter. Uh, so it can totally immerse the education into your world, basically. Yeah, it contextualizes it, right, into life, which is, I, I don't know, I'm really comfortable with that. We, we kind of call that a um, semicolon activity over here. I wrote a piece for ASU called uh, um, The Crab and the Butterfly, semicolon services in the 21st century. And you have to read it to understand the crab and butterfly. We don't have time for that. But uh, the idea is to kind of create your relationship with digital rather than a hard stop, a period, between your digital life and your actual physical life, let's say. Um, but to kind of create a semicolon out of that, have it be a little more fluid. Um, Internet of Things is a very semicolon activity. It's kind of fluid now. Um, and Pokemon Go also shows that fluidity. It also shows the dangers of that fluidity because well, I think some of the situation design isn't a uh, isn't a job yet, isn't a career path. But I'd love to see a future where there are situation designers creating well, no, great situations. There was that, was, this is that great video that somebody put online of Central Park at like midnight where some Pokemon showed up and people just all swarmed. People were abandoning their cars right. 
to find this yeah, man. one thing. And that's why to me, like that, that brings tears to my eyes sometimes. Um, maybe not today. I won't do that for you now. Um, <laughs> oh, I feel it coming. It brings tears to my eyes because that's such a win for situated media. That's what we saw, the potential of cornbread, um, although not so much the app, but sure, situated media in general. It proves that people will do this, that they will be inspired by digital and landscape and the confluence of the two. It shows that it works. you know. But that said, yeah, I think we need to have better situation design so that there aren't um, situations showing up at the wrong places or at the wrong contingencies. But it's brand new, you know, that situated media has been around since 2001, but its fluorescence has been about two weeks old. So uh, I think some protocols need to be created. Yeah, well, that's the problem. It's just, even AR has been around for 10 years and mm -hmm. it's just taken this one, you know, confluence of events to suddenly push it into the forefront, you know, we've got the HoloLens coming up and devices like right. that are around, but none of them have really caught on in the mainstream till this Pokemon thing. Yeah, and I think it's true, so you know, it's the tipping point for situated media and, and AR separately and together, um, and that's why I'm really excited because I feel like we have our foot in squarely in the situated media world and have a head start there and look forward to working with folks and helping that fluoresce. But it's, it's also the beginning of so many interesting things like this. You know, there aren't design protocols for it yet. It's so cool to be, to be around at the very beginning of something. And we can't forget this is the very beginning of digital, too. Um, you know, it's been around for a long time, but really isn't fluorescing till now. The iPad's been out for like 2,500 days or something. It's really the first few milliseconds of all of this. So it's our chance to make it beautiful and make it human now. Yeah, I mean, it's only the last few years where we've all had smartphones and all these devices we carry with us all the time. Yeah, as a brand spanking new. Oh yeah, but I mean, till now it's, well even the last 20 years, it's just been sitting in front of a computer. And before that, there wasn't even that. Yeah. So we're, we're really on the, the beginnings of it all. Yeah, we're really in the first 30. few seconds of the science fiction future. Um, but we really do. I think if we, if we talk to the ancients from like 1975 and showed them our world, they would really be fully convinced we're inhabiting some science fiction future. Uh, and we are, but it's really just the very beginning of it. And so I'm happy to be at the beginning of it, and I, and I encourage us all to participate. Uh, but more importantly, to, to try to think of ways to, to wrap the science fiction future as it unfolds, to wrap it to the human scale, rather than have us um, wrap ourselves to the robot scale. Agreed. But I mean, a lot of it is also focusing on what was science fiction, and look at all the things from Star Trek we have now, and our th yeah, things that we're it's trying true. to build. That's cool. And actually, um, there's a class I taught at ASU, just finished it, called Science Fiction Studio, where we taught students how to be inspired by science fiction as a form of storytelling, prototyping, um, and be inspired by science fiction stories, and then prototype technologies based on those stories. Um, and even telling little science fiction stories of their own when you present a prototype. So yeah, science fiction is um, responsible for prototyping a lot of the world we live in now, and I think should be used as a prototyping method moving forward. Yeah, it's even inspired inside companies. It's inspired, you know, the nerds of yesterday to become the scientists of today. Right. So it's an it's true factor. Yeah, there's a real symbiotic relationship between science fiction and the world we're living in. It's true. It created a, a nerd class that allowed us to happen. So, so all those jocks who were who were threatening me in high school, I, I won. <laughs> <laughs> and then all just all these groovy ideas that showed up in science fiction are like now kind of somewhat possible. You know, I'm doing this talk next week in Arizona about um, Lawnmower Man um, as a piece of diegetic prototyping. And we're just we're looking at this crazy movie from the early 90s. Um, there's a lot of bare-chested men and smoking in that movie. Um, and not a single cell phone, so there's some weirdness there. 
But then there's also the fact that like the movie's predicting that there'll be virtual reality, that will there'll be ubiquitous computing, and everyone will be on learning enhancing drugs. And turns out they were right. Yeah. Yes, but I still want my hoverboard. <laughs> Sorry, man. I you know I just work in software. I can't help yeah. you. Twenty fifteen. We prototype one together. Let's maybe we haven't done a right science fiction prototype for it beyond uh, Back to the Future. All right. Well, then we got to get out on that after this call. Okay. <laughs> That's a two whiskey problem, I think. It is. Yeah, we could solve that too. Yeah, it, we'll have it in an hour or two. <laughs> okay. How hard can it be? So, what kind of technologies get used under the hood in cornbread and related? You know, I can I can only speak to that really um, vaguely because I'm not the technology um, of person there. But I know that you know on, on the back end, it's Django and Postgres, and um, it uses OAuth for authentication. Privacy is really important to us, and um, also, you know, on the front end right now, it's an iOS app, so it's using Objective-C native programming, but we're moving it into Android really quickly. Um, and the, SD, the CMS is going to be a Django. Okay. And everything is also using the sensors off the phone and all right. those kinds of things. Exactly. And whatever, whatever the phone, whatever you want to tell the phone about you will be able to be used as a contingency. And it's the, the SDK, again, is what I'm most interested in. Uh, well, not the SDK, but the CMS. Having a content management system where you can set up, take this video, take this piece of VR, this piece of text, and set it up as a crumb, if you will, and then say, deliver that crumb to people if they're at this specific location, if it's Tuesday, if it's snowing, if they're in Aries, you know, and then hit publish. And then when you publish it, you can publish that to Cornbread. Um, or, or Cornbread 2.0, to be precise. You could publish that to your own app that you've made with the SDK if you're a brand. Um, or maybe you could publish that to a, a phone call. It would be neat to see if you're part of a, an experiment where you're getting phone calls based on your contingency. And actually, we're working on a project now, again, with ASU. They do a lot of great partnering with us, Arizona State University, and their Center for Science and the Imagination have been a real champion of Neologic and the experiments we're doing. And um, that's what I taught that class with. And now we're doing a science fiction experiment where we're going to write a science fiction story with a, with a science fiction author, a published science fiction author, and she's going to develop a story that takes place partially inside situated media. So you'd be reading a story that then requires you to go to certain places or meet various contingencies, maybe number of steps taken, maybe they're weather-based contingencies or situations um, to get pieces of narrative. And we're really doing it as an experiment to figure out how you do situated storytelling. Oh, it sounds a lot like the uh, ARGs of the past, but with exactly, more technological yeah. bent. It is, it is ARG-ish, but we're hoping to, uh, we kind of built a continuum of there's a book, you know, just a paper book, there's Moby Dick, and then there's a full-on ARG like Jejune Society, and have us build something that's kind of in the middle closer to literature, to kind of come up with a kind of situated storytelling, situated literature experience, rather than a full-on immersive um, ARG. Very cool. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Again, first two seconds of all this. So we got to, we, we, I feel like we're allowed to experiment and play. Of course. So yeah. where would you see or would like to see the future of this going? I would like to see um, uh, the science fiction future that I'd like to see is one in which situated media um, is kind of part of our experience and maybe is in the OS, if you will, you know, so that just our devices natively are feeding us things just in time and just in place based on where we are and what it knows about us so that we're not always checking the device or we're not always doing this. But the device is always checking us and feeding us what we need based on that. Um, in a practical sense, maybe just as your phone becomes more of an agent 
but also just I, I'm more interested in the art aspect of it all. I like to see art forms that are very fluid um, and are feeding you in feeding you pieces of or delivering to you or contextualizing you in a story based on your various situations. Um, and I'm also interested in the educational aspects of it. I'd love to see a way to take take the just like right now you go and have to stare at the device to get device content. Right now you have to immerse yourself in a really relatively rigid educational context to get education. And I'd like to see that semicolon. You know, I'd like to see it become more fluid. You have enrolled in a class at your university, then that you should be able to get university class-based content no matter where you are, not just when you're in the classroom. So if you've enrolled in Jonathan's class on on um, U.S. history, then maybe you're getting U.S. history assets based on where you are, time of day, et cetera. So that uh, it's a more fluid relationship with content. That makes That's sense. the world I want to see. Sounds like fun, right? Sounds like sounds like a lot of fun yeah. to me. And maybe more audio. All the staring at your device makes me nervous. People get hit by cars. The more we stare at devices, the more um, the more we're staring at devices. And the glowing rectangle isn't what our face was made for. Besides, everybody in New York City walks around with headphones in anyway. Right. So. Exactly. There are a lot of people who are worried about um, the security that they're being spied on when using these types of yeah. Phones. Um, yeah, that's a I, real. It's. A, go ahead. No, and I just wanted to address it. Um, just, what do you think of like the people who are paranoid about that kind of thing? Well, I think yeah, I think you have a right to be paranoid about it. It's it's again this being the first few seconds of digital. I think we're still working out the ethics of that. And I think and this is a hard it's a hard question because it's really a trajectory thing in a way. It's more science fiction futuring. Right now, at the beginning of digital, everyone's so psyched that so much is so free. It's all wrapped up in the free thing. But as it's been said by people smarter than me, that if you're not paying for a product, you are the product. And so right now, everyone's so wrapped up in things being free that they don't seem to be aware of or mind that they are the product, You know, which is even true, I believe, of Pokemon Go. Part of the business model is that it's scraping stuff about you that can then become research for other products, which might not, doesn't necessarily sound like a bad thing. But I would like to see that conversation be more explicit. I would love to have... Um, that not buried in in the fine print when you download an app, but have it be more explicit. Like, do you want you want to pay ninety nine cents for this app, and we don't scrape your stuff, or do you want it to be free and we scrape your stuff? You know what I mean? That just just make it more explicit of what's being used with the things. Because there are times I don't mind that my apps are being scraped, so it can make better games for me. But I'd like that just to be really explicit. Oh yeah, well they were a lot more explicit when they were doing Ingress when they said this is a game, but we're using it to improve Google Maps. Right. But we're not getting that perspective from Pokemon Go, which right. is also in the attack. And, and I wonder if that would have right true. And I wonder if that would have slowed slowed down this progress. But I don't know, you know. And I, I think it's societally we're not as individuals like just even how this conversation was framed. If you're concerned about those things, you're kind of more paranoid person um, versus it just being a cultural discussion of what version of that app do you have? Oh, I, I'm giving all my information because it's free and I don't care versus well, I, I'm, I'm more concerned about it knowing where I am, so I'm paying a dollar, something like that. Just just have it be a, a normal way to price engage and have that discussion up front without it being like, it's free, why do you even care? You know, it starts at some point, you know, you realize it's a cookbook, they're cooking people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nobody reads Eula's to begin with, so why yeah, is it That's not the place to have that discussion. It, it should be more at the top. You know, why is that Why is that in the fine print? It seems like it's the trope of every, like, blue song and movie. It makes them deal with the devil. Um, and don't read the fine print. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, why, why did we put all that in the fine print? Don't we know? But I think, you know, that's part of, that's part of us having capitalism run this discussion for us or have, having capitalism be the, 
the engine behind all of this, which obviously is, is moving things quickly and the pace, and there's lots of funding and money happening. But um, when money is the, the bottom line, when, when that's the biggest concern, then it becomes in someone's best interest to bury stuff like that. But we need to see we need to see that conversation flow to the top. Why not? Why not have yeah. that honestly and just do it? Feels, it's definitely a, feels less icky. Yeah, it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had and figured out and kind of set to standards so that everybody has exactly. a Exactly. That's exactly it. Set to standards. And of course we don't have standards because it's been, again, you know, handful of days since this all started. So of course we don't have standards yet. Um, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't see it as a dystopian future we're living in, but rather the very few first few seconds of a more realistic future. So yeah, we'll, we'll get to those standards, but let's, let's start doing that. All right. And where can people find out more about cornbread and the spatial awareness, spatial protection? Um, you can go to, well, if you go, um, I, if you want to know more about what I'm saying about it, I have, uh, there's a blog uh, series, if you will, on Medium, a Medium publication called Imaginary Papers. That's run by Arizona State University's Science for, uh, Center for Science and the Imagination. And I publish there regularly. And I just, um, today, I'm publishing a piece defining situated media and situating, if you will, Pokemon Go in that context. Um, also happened to mention cornbread. But there's some other examples there. Um, and uh, so you can go there, read about that stuff. You can always go to neologic.co to learn more about what we're doing at Neologic and then cornbread app. Uh, dot com, which is just your basic marketing site for cornbread, but um, I think if you keep an eye on on um, the Neologic site and on Imaginary Papers, you'll get a you'll, you'll you'll be kept abreast of what we're doing and what we're thinking. And at Imaginary Papers, there's lots of other cool stuff going on there too. Oh, cool! And cornbread can be found in the iTunes App Store and the yep, the iTunes App Store. Yeah, go go down yet yeah, in the Google Play to store soon as well. We're working. We're hoping to come out with that version 2.0, which will allow for some broadened contingencies um, come winter um, to accommodate that story project and then some other client projects we're working on. So look for that story, science fiction story project coming out too in a few months, which will be really exciting. So there's a lot going on. I'll definitely keep my eyes open for it. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, Corey Pressman, for joining me today to comment on this episode or listen to other episodes of the Creators Call. Please visit thecreatorscall.com or find us in iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast track. Thanks. Thanks, Jonathan. See you later.